Thank you for downloading this week's episode of PR Week's Coffee Break. For more episodes, visit PRWeek.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the Editorial Director of PR Week, and we have a great guest this week. We've got Kate Ryan, who's an MD at Diffusion PR, and is going to talk to us about DTC marketing. So, Kate, well, welcome to Coffee Break. Good to see you. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. Before we start, just tell us a little bit about Diffusion. Um, a, originally a British agency, but you've got 25 folks in the US now, and you've been here for seven, well, eight or nine years, I think. So just give us the sort of uh, elevator cell for Diffusion PR. Yeah. So Diffusion's a PR agency. We were originally out of London, came to New York almost nine years ago, and then opened our LA office um, a few years ago as well. So now we have our three offices. Um, we really focus on a wide variety of clients um, doing something innovative. We love to work with clients who are challenging the status quo in some way, who want to do something crazy or creative. But we really talk about bringing tomorrow closer. Like, what are the brands that are going to do that? And that's where our sweet spot is. Do you focus on tech brands for that? Or is it brands across the board, consumer as well? Yeah, consumer as well. And I think that that actually segues really nicely into direct to consumer, because I would say in many ways, the direct consumer companies in the consumer space are the ones really challenging that status quo and doing, I think, what will be very unique and, and have staying power in the future for how we shop. Yeah, let's talk about that, because you do an annual DTC index and uh, some really interesting findings. And, and the market's maturing, I guess. DTC was a buzzword, wasn't it, for uh, a number of years. And maybe you don't hear so much about it now, but maybe that's just because it's matured. But firstly, tell us about the index yeah. and what that showed this year, past year. And obviously, an unusual year because the second year of pandemic and shopping habits yeah. were, were no doubt affected by that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've been running this report for the past four years. And when we started it in 2018, I mean, I think it was four in 10 uh, Americans wanted to buy direct consumer. People barely knew what direct consumer really meant. You know, it was still absolutely a buzzword, something, you know, maybe a little unique. You might buy one thing from, you know, a, a random direct consumer company. And then during the pandemic, we saw that really skyrocket. It went up to seven in 10 Americans were buying from direct consumer. And I think the pandemic in some ways really spurred a lot of adoption of direct consumer brands because going online and buying was what we were all doing in our pajamas late at night. So <laughs> there was a know, lot of that, wasn't there? Exactly. So I, I think that that was very exciting. But what was really surprising to me in our latest iteration of this report was that there was a dip in interest um, for the first time since we've been running the report. And I think that really speaks to the competition in the landscape, as well as the supply chain issues, frankly, that a lot of direct consumer companies are facing and that frustration I think consumers have started to find. Yeah, good points about that. And um, I think you also found that influencers, people were kind of put off by influencers. That's really interesting. Tell us about that. Yeah, we had been hearing that from some of our clients. And so we wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that. And I think what has happened is really an oversaturation of the influencer marketing space. You're just getting bombarded by influencer marketing. So brands are finding it really hard to break through. Um, so what we saw was, you know, that one in four Americans actually said they would not buy something if they saw it from an influencer, which is pretty crazy. And I think yes. it was something like, you know, over 60% said it wouldn't influence them either way. So while I definitely think influencer marketing is here to stay, and there are great ways to do it, 
brands really need to think, I think, a little bit harder about where they put that money and really vet the influencers they work with. Um, because it's just, it's not as novel, I think, as it used to be to the consumer. So they're a little bit savvier to what they're seeing. Is that a sort of example of the maturation of that uh, market as well in that, you know, we've seen stories of influencers which turned out maybe to be not as credible or got into trouble or killed themselves on social, which anyone can do. So it's really what the lesson from that is, I guess, and what you're advising your clients is you've got to be very savvy about the type of influencers you work with. Yep, that's exactly it. You've got to really vet them, make sure that they really align with the brand. And then also the way I think you do it matters. I think people have also become a little bit tired of the like mass influencer push on the same day, you know, like it looks a little bit, you know, staged. So I think finding a really authentic way to do it is really important. Yeah, when we've surveyed influencers, they always say they'll only work with brands uh, totally on on their wavelength and that they right. genuinely buy into and you're like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but if they <laughs> place a lot of money in front of you they you're gonna you're gonna do it and they and you you kind of everyone was saying the same thing so i think you've got to just dig a bit deeper haven't you and become that's where agencies like yourselves come in presumably how are you using this uh, index and research to help advise clients yeah absolutely i think on the influencer marketing side we're absolutely putting in you know more guardrails on influencer marketing, really thinking about if it makes sense. Um, and then on the PR side, I think when you think about this report, there is just there's so much room for differentiation for DTC companies. And PR is just such a good way to do it, you know, so really trying to break through, get through the competitive side, I think, make a connection with the customer, so that yes, you might get your product delayed, or yes, we might be out of stock on this, but I really love this brand. And I've seen them in so many ways, and I've connected with them in so many ways, that I'm willing to give them a little bit of a pass. Tell us a bit about DTC as a phrase, as a definition, and has that evolved? Because if we think about a lot of mainstream brands are now becoming D2C as well, aren't they? So you might buy, I don't know, Nike from your store, from, from a Nike store or from a, another retailer, but you might also order direct. So yeah. where do we, how do we define DTC these days and how has that evolved over the, over the years? Yeah, I think that's the never ending debate in the D2C community, because in some ways, I think it's like digital first companies, companies who really prioritize that. I mean, at one point, I think Pepsi was trying to call themselves a D2C company because they were selling Pepsi online that you could grab yourself. But I really think it's about a class of company that prioritizes e-commerce. And one of the things we've seen a lot of physical retailers or legacy retailers do, especially during the pandemic, is start to do that. And that's why I think also we've seen this dip in the numbers in that consumers are finding that same benefit in those long-term legacy retailers that they used to find in D2C companies. Tell us about the shopping habits and where they're hanging out. You know, we hear a lot about e-commerce and um, social commerce. So Facebook, you know, I've bought a lot more via Facebook, mm -hmm. I think, especially in the lockdown, like you mentioned. How, uh, what, what trends are you seeing in those areas in terms of the best places for D2C brands to hang out to, to uh, sell their goods? Yeah, I actually think what we're seeing is a lot of affiliate marketing. So when a publisher will, you know, partner to feature a product, or they may already be featuring a product, more consumers are buying direct from media straight to, you know, purchase. So I think that that has been a trend we've seen really explode over, you know, in the past few years. I think it's something publishers have done pretty well. 
Yeah. Was there anything else that came out of the study that, that was noteworthy and that maybe had changed in the four years? And I'm thinking specifically of you know things that have changed in lockdown particularly. Yeah, I think one thing, it may seem out of date, but we saw, we issued it right, you know, in the November timeframe and saw people were saying, we're not going to buy a lot from D2C companies for the holidays. And we were shocked because, you know, typically holiday time period is a really huge um, retail season for these brands. And it, it was proven to be true. We saw it, you know, in the numbers from some of our, our clients because it just became such a competitive retail season and you know big box retailers are cutting their prices dbc companies are cutting their prices so it, it's just more competition than ever before and i think that for a dbc brand to stand out and really get those consumer dollars it is about you know what is your campaign months before what is you know what amazing review do you have running of your product that's really timed well for that time period um, so it was a bit surprising to see that holiday wasn't going to be such a huge time for them, but we were able to help prepare those clients and really focus on other moments. Yeah, if you think of Thanksgiving, Black Friday, you think of Giving Tuesday, you think of Cyber Monday. I mean, is Cyber Monday even a thing anymore? Because it kind of smacks of older thinking where it, yeah. when digital was really new and when it was unusual to buy online. But now everyone's buying online, aren't they? We, you know, we're getting our groceries, we're getting everything delivered at home. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what we saw. I think the supply chain issues also forced people to buy much earlier than even Cyber Monday. Um, so I, I think that that just changed the game uh, at the end of the last year. And some of that is, of course, pandemic driven. What habits do you think will persist then post pandemic, which hopefully we're getting to the <laughs> to that stage now, although we can't take anything for granted? Uh, what shopping habits have changed forever and what things might sort of revert a little bit because people you know, want to get back to? I mean, I, I, I hate shopping personally, but I'm, I know that <laughs> there, are, there are millions of people who absolutely love it and you know, like getting out there and physically shopping. Yeah, I think we're just going to see so much continued e-commerce, you know, interest. I think if you look at the results of this report over the past few years, the DTC brands have absolutely matured. And yes, while we saw a dip, I think that that, you know, general interest is here to stay. I also think retailers who used to be just brick and mortar figured out e-commerce during the pandemic. I have a client who doubled down on it, invested a ton of money in overhauling their whole e-commerce system, and they're seeing huge gains there as well. So to me, I think we're always going to shop for a lot of this stuff online. I, I'm a person who I don't know that I'll ever go into a grocery store again because I figured out how to do all of that online during the pandemic. And it's amazing. It's convenient. You know, it's fantastic. Why would I go back? I'm always shocked. We work with a lot of furniture companies in the DTC space. People will buy a thousands of dollars in a sofa without ever, ever having seen it. So, you know, I think that a lot of that, as far as consumer habits, has really changed and that people have a lot more trust in e-commerce than ever before. Yeah, people buying cars, people buying all yeah. sorts of stuff online. And we wouldn't have been able to survive without Fresh Direct in our, in our neighborhoods. And they were the real heroes, weren't they? Essential workers out there every day all the way through and you know hopefully everyone was tipping them much more than usual when they were doing that so yeah for sure just to finish off um tell us a bit about how how life has been for diffusion you know during this time you've got 25 folks um presume you've i mean you, you're still at home by the looks of it yeah. um what, what do you think that's uh, going to develop into this year and how are you getting a new sort of hybrid working environment um, for the future of PR because it's a talent business and you want to keep your best people. 
Absolutely. And I think we really embraced remote working. We put a ton of time and energy into it at the very beginning of the pandemic to make it feel like we were all still together. We spent a lot of time looking at our tech and tools that would help us do that. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, collaboration is so key to this business. Like the best, craziest ideas come out of those like ridiculous, you know, conversations in the office. So we've tried to replicate that online as much as we can. That said, we have our offices in New York and LA, you know, people do go into them. We're hopeful we'll be back into them at some point, you know, in the near future. Um, But I think it's really about everyone having the flexibility to work in the way that they want, especially as things are so, you know, crazy and no one can predict what's going to happen next. Having two kids, I have no idea when they'll be in school or not in school. So making sure that every employee has that flexibility has been really key. Yeah, we're, everyone's battling with it, and uh, let's just hope we're all back uh, at least able to go out a bit more. Because it was yeah. when the masks started appearing on the streets again, it was like, oh no, we're back, we're back in it. Um, but yeah, well, it's great to catch up with you, Kate. Thanks for joining us on Coffee Break and uh, chatting to us about DTC. Really fascinating stuff, and uh, continued good wishes and good luck to Diffusion. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Coffee Break. For more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.